Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Well, hello and welcome back to the Grow Factor podcast. My name is Pastor John. I am the Connections Pastor here at St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. And as always, I'm joined by our senior pastor, Dr. Philip L. Pointer Sr. And we are in the middle of a series that we have called Make It Make Sense as we are trying to challenge you all as our listeners to dig deeper into God's word as we continue to do the transformative work that's necessary. It's a spiritual discipline to be able to study God's word, but there are many people who don't know how to. Mm -hmm. So when we set out on this journey, we wanted to make sure that everybody understood how to study the Bible. So as we make it make sense in this episode, we're going to continue our word study and talk about joy, but also talk about rejoice. We finished up joy last time. So this go around. We're going to talk about the cousin of joy. We're going to talk about rejoice in Philippians 1. Yeah. Um, And Pastor John, I think it's it's helpful one more time. We've done it the last couple of weeks, but just a quick run through of how we do word study those questions and then let's launch right into the into the rejoice i think that that's appropriate sure thing so as we mentioned before we are going to be reading the text inside out and you start generally when you think about doing a word study with reading multiple translations of that particular text we mentioned this before but it's worth mentioning again we have several good translations of the bible the scholars who have translated those texts have taken the original text, which is written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, and have given us the equivalent word in our context of what the particular word that is translated there means. But also what you're going to find is that there are going to be some times where translators across the board are unclear on how to particularly say a word because it was specific for that culture and context. So it's easy for us to misinterpret it ourselves if we don't necessarily understand the word being used within that context. The good news is we have tools that are going to be helpful for us to be able to do it. We're not left to ourselves to do that. Right. We don't have to figure it out and we don't have to, you know, uh, pray heaven down. God, <laughs> you know, we God has given us and thanks be to God for those who've done the work and and the the ability to go to these resources I mean, it is such a, a, a great and incredible um, time that we live in um, to have these things literally at our fingertips on your device, on your phone, on your laptop, on your on your iPad, uh, whatever you have. You, you have the opportunity to do this kind of word study that helps you understand the Bible uh, that that God has given us. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's where we're going to start with. We're going to start with. The English translation of these these verses that we assigned to you all and gave you all in Philippians one, as we look at the first 30 and you were supposed to look at the different appearances of the word rejoice. We're going to do that to start with. And then on top of that, we're going to see how frequently it appears. Mm -hmm. And what y'all have probably realized as you are going through the text is that Paul 
not only likes joy, yeah, <laughs> but he likes rejoicing as well. Rejoice, yes, sir, <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so we're going to see that in Philippians, not just one, but the entire text itself. We're going to see it in all the Pauline epistles as well. He's going to use that. We're also going to look at it in the Old Testament, which mm-hmm. is part of our process to understand how Old Testament writers use that word, because again. Paul and others are Jewish writers. Absolutely. And they understand the Jewish meaning of the Hebrew word. And the, they themselves are doing translation work. Yes. And yes. using the Greek equivalent of a Hebrew word Hebrew in order word. to do it. Yeah, I think that's so critical. One of the reasons we look at the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, to inform our understanding of the New Testament is because the writers of the New Testament, even when writing to Gentile audiences, were Jews themselves. Paul is clear. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees, mm-hmm. man. He's a, he is a Jew to his bone, um, to his marrow. And when he uses these words, he you cannot he cannot help but bring his Jewishness yeah. into his conversation, even while writing in Greek and even speaking to Greek audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, so understanding how he was raised, how he understands the word. Yeah helps to understand how he used it and how therefore he meant it and how we are to understand and then apply it. And that isn't foreign. No. We do that all the time. In our lives every single day. Absolutely. Which is why uh, I have qualms with several standardized testing because we can't necessarily bring our experience into that or as we are articulating the language that we utilize every single day. So Uh, there are going to be some contexts where you have to understand that the author is using this language and expressing it in a way that they best understand it. And, and that's it, what Paul is doing. And, and Pastor John, I think maybe better than word study, that's kind of technically what we're mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. But I think the better term might be, and I need to research this and try to coin it. And if somebody steals <laughs> it, then I'm, you know, I'm going to find you. But it might be better understood as concept study. That's good. What's the concept? Because we we know mm. that words can the word can be the same, but the meaning can be different. Yeah. The concept I, I'm trying to convey might be different. So what I'm trying to really do is ascertain what is the concept mm. behind the word mm. or behind the phrase. And I think that's why looking at the totality of Scripture and the way it's used throughout Scripture helps us to inform the way it's used in a particular passage or in a particular book like we're doing now with rejoice in Philippians. Mm -hmm. And so when you come across words like rejoice and you do a word study or a concept study of those, then you're going to use some of those free resources that we told you all about. Blue letter Bible is a good one. Mm -hmm. Bible gateway is also another good one. Again, these are all free online resources. All you got to do is look up the passage and they have it beautifully laid out for you. Just click on the word mm-hmm. and it'll tell you the meaning of the word. Yeah. In that context, they'll give you the Hebrew meaning of the word. It really is. They've done a, a great Incredible. amount of work just just working through the different words for you. So you're not spending a lot of time going through some of the books that we had to go through in seminary. Yeah. And go to the library and yeah. go check them out. Right. And and I want to say one more thing about this. I want to well, pastorally, I want to say um, to those under our charge or a part of our community here at St. Mark, that your personal Bible study, or, or if you do this as a family um, or in, in a group of friends, if you, if you all, your study 
helps us in so many ways. If you have a passing familiarity with the text, it is so helpful to us when we try to open up the Bible and teach it and explain it. There is a there's a, a level of, you know, this the old uh, the older generation had Sunday school with those old Sunday school exposition books where they at least they knew what the text said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? May not have been a deep understanding, mm-hmm. but they knew what the text said. Um, or, or just our foreparents who just read the Bible, just reading it frequently and having a familiarity, even with just what it says, mm-hmm. increases the connectivity we can have mm. um, when we're teaching it, on, especially on Sundays um, and, and throughout other experiences of, um, mm. of, uh, of learning opportunities. So I just want to encourage you yeah. um, to not just find this as some kind of passing familiarity uh, or passing um, um, study that we're going to do. You're going to say, oh, that, that was neat, and then we'll move on and you forget. Mm. I want you to use this. I want you to apply this because it, it helps you hear and understand us better when we're teaching. And it also helps guard your mind and heart against false teaching Mm -hmm. because you can look it up and say, no, that ain't really what that means Mm -hmm. for yourself. And you won't be so caught up in something that sounds good and tickles your emotions or, Mm -hmm. or, or feels good. And, and then ultimately is, is not helpful for your soul. And that's one of the things that I think I've had to learn is not to make the assumption that just because it's as ubiquitous as it is and as accessible as it is that many people understand or at least have kind of the baseline understanding of a text. So Mm -hmm. even in teaching and preaching, you just don't make assumptions that people know it. Like I've I've had to catch myself sometimes saying, oh, we all know this. Well, we don't necessarily all know know this. So even in my own preaching and teaching, I have to, it's like learning moments for me because this is our job. Yeah, if you you grew up in church, you've heard preachers say all the time, oh, you know the story. If you grew up in church, you heard Mm -hmm. that. Um, But we can't say that. Mm -hmm. And let me also say um, that if you're new to this, if, this, if, if, if the things that seem familiar to everyone are unfamiliar to you, yeah. do not be ashamed of that. Let me, and let me be very clear. You actually have the advantage. Absolutely. Coming to it fresh and new. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a church baby like some of us or you think you're familiar like many of us do, sometimes we impose an understanding that is our tradition mm-hmm. and not necessarily the truth. Mm-hmm. And we look to affirm our preconceived notions about the Bible Mm. rather than come to it empty and say, Lord, speak to me from it and whatever you're saying from this text. And so if you are new and it's foreign, you really have a much greater advantage, a much greater sensitivity if you approach it correctly. And that's what we really are trying to give you the tools to do, Mm. especially when it comes to things like word study. Yeah, and I, I always say that the best new construction always happens on barren land mm-hmm. where people don't necessarily have to tear down things in order to build something else. Yeah. So when you do have a blank slate and you're able to approach a text without any presuppositions or things that you've learned before, mm-hmm. it just opens up so much to you. And even... In my own study, I got to I got to tear down what I feel like yeah, I already understand yeah, of a text yeah. and allow God to construct something, um, understanding that there's a baseline understanding of the text. Yeah, right. But yeah. then 
there may be something that God is speaking to me and wants to speak to the people in the preaching context, but in a personal Bible study context, there are things that God wants to possibly say to you. Yeah. And if you're building it upon an older foundation of what yeah. you understand of the text, yeah. then it just might be difficult for you to get what you need in that moment. Yeah. I mean, the Philippians is always going to have been written to Philippians. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to find out, oh, no, it was actually written to the Colossians. No, this is written to Philippians. Um, uh the word that we're going to study, it means what it means. Mm -hmm. There are some baseline things that aren't going to change. Um, the gospel is the gospel. Those, those, those things aren't going to change. But how it speaks to me, what I am to do with it, if my context changed, we'll talk about this in another lesson, the application yeah. will, be, will be altered as well. It will. Yeah, yeah, it will. So that's what we want to do there. We want to make sure that we're using our resources, going to those resources and taking advantage of those to understand what the word means in the context. But also going all the way back to what we've been talking about this entire time, the big picture. We got to understand what this word means, what this granular word means in the bigger picture of God's redemptive story. Mm -hmm. And then also the meaning for the author and the audience and the atmosphere in which it's actually written in. Mm -hmm. So again, we want to make sure we're making the connection with all of these steps because from the beginning of our teaching of this series, this has been a step-by-step -step process, but they, they don't live alone. No, they all live together in a community and you, you don't have to necessarily focus on one at a time. Right. You're always, it's, they're interwoven. Mm -hmm. Like you're always working through, like last episode, we were asking questions mm -hmm. of this text, even during the concept of word study process, yes, right? very much so. So you're always thinking through, how can I continue to work through these other f phases? If you're in the observation phase, how can I think through some investigation and some other things that might come into play as I'm reading it? Yeah. And, you know, as, as you get seasoned in it, I don't know, just frankly speak, speaking, Pastor John, I don't know if I do steps anymore yeah. Yeah. as much as I kind of do it. You know, I'm, when I'm looking at the word analysis, concept analysis, I'm also looking at the culture. Yeah. I'm also looking at the audience. I'm also looking at the all. I, it, mm -hmm. it, it kind of it all becomes a part of a. Um, um, one big milieu of, of experience in terms of studying the, the text itself. And, you know, I, I like the, the idea of granular. So when I'm thinking about this word or phrase that I'm studying, mm. I'm, I realize that a grain of salt does not make seasoning. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> a grain of sand doesn't make a beach. Mm. Um, so I'm, but I need every grain. Yeah. to season my food. I need every grain to have a beach. Mm. Uh, so I've realized the, the individual component, but I also realized the larger, mm. more ultimate component, which is the larger story of scripture, and then the larger um, paragraph or mm. sentence that this particular word finds itself in, mm. and the context, and the, and the situation, and the reason it's being used. So mm -hmm. um, I, we pull all of those things together to come up with understanding and meaning. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's good. So you've reached a point where you are, it sort of organically happens for you. Yeah. And we want to make sure that folks, as we're working through this, that as we talk about how to study the Bible, it's okay to make it a step-by-step -step process. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, if you yeah. ask Big Mama for her mac and cheese recipe, uh, she knows it. 
And, and like so, the back and, of her hand. Yeah, and there, there are two ways. There are two ways she can communicate it to you. Yeah. Some people have recipe cards where mm-hmm. they write it down. Yeah. And others just say, you know, a handful. Let's <laughs> grab that off the shelf. How much do I put in? <laughs> Enough. Right. My, my granddad's favorite line, Kia will tell you all this. If I call granddad and ask him how to cook something, because granddad will tell you he's a gourmet chef, not gourmet. <laughs> gourmet. Granddad is from Louisiana. He's from Melville, Louisiana, St. Landry's Parish. Granddad will say he's a gourmet chef. Doc, how do you do such and such? And mm. uh, put this much in. How does it look? I don't know, Doc. You need to tell me something. <laughs> Use your judgment. Just yeah. use your judgment. That's his yeah. line. Just use your judgment. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're not talking about a mm. uh, perfect science, although there are laws and rules and, and, and things of that nature. And words mean what they mean. Um, but we are talking about a spiritual exercise. Mm. That once again, I want to be very clear about the most important part of all of this is letting the Spirit do the work in your heart and mind as you're studying. And, and trust that the Holy Spirit wants to tell you what this text means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In in word study, in observation, in investigation, in all of those phases, mm-hmm. uh, author and audience, the, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal mm-hmm. to you or illuminate to you what has been revealed in the Bible. And that, that just reiterates the importance of his participation in this with you all. Mm-hmm. That this isn't just an intellectual head knowledge no. study that the spirit is the author of this text. And as you are thinking about author audience atmosphere, that it might be good to commune with the author while you are mm-hmm. reading the text and observing the text and investigating the text, yeah. because oh, that's so good. he's going to allow, he's going to illuminate things to you uh, because he wrote it yeah. and he understands it the best. So yeah. all these scholars, they showed up and they've showed us all these tools, but goodness, if you don't turn to the one yeah. who wrote the text, yeah, and who can illuminate it to you, then you're missing the whole point of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Indeed, indeed. You can tap John on the shoulder and ask him, what is P talking about? But if I'm standing here, you could also just ask me. And John may do a pretty good job of telling you what I mean, but you would do well to ask me mm. yourself. That's yeah. good, that's good. So let's talk about rejoice. Yeah, I think we wanna talk about rejoice in this text. And last time we talked about joy and the number of times that it appeared, in Philippians, and we're going to find the same thing happening with rejoice. And I know last session we mentioned them being cousins, so to speak. So let's just talk a little bit about root words um, and not get too in the weeds about it. But uh, what we find with scripture is that each word, and this is same thing in the English language, so it isn't really mm-hmm. too much of a difference, but with the Greek and the Hebrew, the words share root words and they're called family members for a reason because they have the same root word. Mm -hmm. And when you approach joy and rejoice, what you're going to find is they both have the same root underlying them. They're just expressed in different ways. So one is in the noun form, others in the verbal form. Mm -hmm. You'll find one that's in the adjectival form, an adjective, right? So there are different forms of it, but it's expressed through the same root. So they have the same family tree, Mm -hmm. which means there's a root meaning that is applied to that. But it just expresses itself in a different concept. Right. And, and And that's important, especially when you see it repeated. And this is where it's what we call etymology. Um. The study of word origins or, or how words come to be. Um, it's important when you look at a book like Philippians, where you're seeing this 
same root in the noun form, in the verb form, in the noun form, in the verb form. When you're seeing it over and over again, then what you're seeing is, again, the significance of the concept Mm -hmm. being pushed in your face. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) This is what it's about. Mm. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. Uh, So you don't ignore that. You don't take, you don't try to find a way around that. You don't look for alternative. Well, it could also be, no, it's about joy. <laughs> that's it. Well, it may also be, but no, it's about no, that's it. joy. I'm, I'm saying this over and over and over again so you don't miss the point mm. that this is about joy. And specifically in Philippians, we've talked about it before, joy in adversity. It's a special brand of joy. It's mm-hmm. the God brand of joy that overcomes adversity due to Paul's adversity being in um, under house arrest or in prison in Rome, and then the people's adversity uh, in terms of their social context. They are mm-hmm. dealing with adversity as well. So that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. That's Now we know what the whole book of Philippians is about that's it. because we got this these two cousin words that are <laughs> joy, 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 rejoice, 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 yeah, over it. and over and over. That's it. So even with rejoice, you'll see it here in Philippians, though, rejoice, he uses it as a command Mm -hmm. and then he uses it as just a verb saying, I rejoice, Mm -hmm. like I have this form of joy in rejoicing Mm -hmm. um, over you. And we're going to see that in both of those forms, Uh, the imperatives appear later as they do in most of Paul's letters, but Mm -hmm. we'll see rejoice show up here uh, pretty early on as well. Yeah. So let's look at Philippians chapter one, and we read this last go around, but I want to look at that, and then we'll look at chapter two as two. I want to read. I want to read the text in chapter two because it's going to tell us the importance of looking at the Strongs. Because I know somebody's watching and saying, Pastor John, Pastor P, I can count. <laughs> I can go through and count these rejoice words, and why do I need to go to a Strongs number to find out how many times rejoice appears in it? Yeah. Well. We're going to help you out. Okay. So uh, Philippians chapter one, verse number 18 here. uh, He says, uh, I'm going to go up to 17. Even as I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice. Oh, that's chapter that's two. two. Mm-hmm. I'm going, I went a little hit. <laughs> so we're going to go to one eighteen. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Again, he's talking about these false teachers who've come up and mm-hmm. he's saying, hey, whether in pretense or in truth, I just care that Christ is being preached. Yeah. And, and, and more than than than. False teachers, they are mm. teaching truth from bad motives is really what they yeah. are. So yeah. they're they're really preaching Christ because if they weren't, he would say we got to confront right. them and correct them. Yeah. So they're talking right. They just got bad hearts. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. saying, you know what? Hey, whatever hey, the heart is behind, whatever the heart Christ is, Christ is being. Pro- they, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I had a I had an experience, Pastor John, um, at, at my former church where there was a a bad heart, good sermon kind of situation. Mm. And man, it bothered me. It, I mean, it it bothered me to the degree I called my pastor. I called John Kenneth Jenkins Senior Man, and I said, "Look, dude, <laughs> let me tell you what happened." Mm. I explained to him the situation. Phenomenal sermon. I mean, incredible, dynamic sermon. Mm. The background is 
bad heart was revealed through a set of circumstances. And I was just messed up about it. And he was like, dude, listen, that's between that guy and God. Hmm. Rejoice that the truth went forth. Yeah. And man, it just got me all the way together. And that this verse this, that's what is the one he referred me to, to say God can use hmm. bad hearts, hmm. speaking true words, because the impact is developed or, or, or is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Um, and so it's not up to us, you know what I mean, to yeah. to always try to worry about what the heart is, what's going on in the heart, mm. so to speak. You know what I mean? To we're told to to affirm or deny sound doctrine, uh, affirm sound doctrine, deny dispute, mm. correct wrong doctrine. But the heart, that's God's thing. Mm. That's God's thing. Mm. And uh, Paul gets that place of maturity to say, look. Whatever reason, even when they were doing it personally against him, you know what I mean? <laughs> he was like, they're doing it trying to add affliction to my chains. But you know what? I still rejoice because hmm. Jesus is being proclaimed. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what he says here in verse 18. And then he adds to it, yes, <laughs> and I will rejoice. Right. Just in case you didn't get it the first time, yep. I'm going to use rejoice again because I am going to rejoice over this happening because mm-hmm. it, it makes me have joy. Yeah. It makes me have joy. Yeah. Um, so let's look at chapter two, which I was very anxious to get to, apparently, because <laughs> it's good, <laughs> because it is good. It is good. So he says, even as if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should you also should be glad, glad and rejoice with me. Now, here's what he does in 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. And this is in the original language. That word glad that is translated here in the ESV is actually the same word. Same word. It's rejoice. Mm-hmm. So he uses rejoice four times here yep. in this text in terms of um, what he says to this particular community. He says, I am glad and rejoice with you. Listen to how it sounds in the Greek. Yeah. He says, Cairo, kind, sun Cairo. Yep. So that word sun Cairo means with, mm-hmm. to rejoice with. Yeah, that it's just a, it's just a preposition attached. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a, it's an attached preposition. It's with rejoice. Yeah. 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 So, so he's rejoicing. So again, it goes back to this communal aspect of rejoicing. He's mm-hmm. saying, I rejoice and then I rejoice with you. Soon yeah. with with you, yeah. Here, so he's using the word glad, but they just decide to use glad there as opposed to rejoice because. And here's he, here's English translation. Here's one of the things that we do in English translations is we English Western world says you can't say the same if you've got you grammarly if you've got grammarly <laughs> or you send your paper to an editor they're saying. You can't say rejoice four times in in two phrases. You can't say rejoice and rejoice with and you get rejoice and squiggly rejo- line underneath yeah, it. Yeah. Like yeah, we need synonyms. <laughs> you need find you a thesaurus, Paul. That's what they would have told him. <laughs> get you some thesaurus situation in here. But but he's using it in repetition mm-hmm. intentionally because the repetition is about intensity. Mm-hmm. It's it's rejoice and rejoice with. For the sake of intensity, for the individual and then the mutual, mm. and and he's he's getting ready to to bring it forward as he's coming forward. He's bringing it forward. We're getting ready to walk into the imperatives. Mm-hmm. So he starts with me. I'm I'm doing it. Then we gonna do it together, 
and then you're going to do it on your own, so to speak, as it were. You, you follow what I'm saying? Like, like training wheels. We gonna, I'm going to put you on this rejoice training wheels <laughs> and hold the back of the seat for you, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to let you go for you to keep on rejoicing even after I'm gone. Yeah. That's the idea. So he's using it, the, the repetition. And again, so we read it how it really should read mm-hmm. if we're being technical about the definition. Verse 17, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am rejoicing and rejoicing with you all. Likewise, you all should be rejoicing and rejoicing with me. That's how it really reads mm-hmm. in the original language. Rejo- I'm rejoicing and rejoicing with you. Mm-hmm. You rejoice and rejoice with me. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the that's the idea. Yeah. So so like you said, when you have repetition, it has this intensity about it mm-hmm. that he's saying. <laughs> Hey, I need y'all to rejoice, not just rejoice, but rejoice with me. And this and, is something we're doing together. And 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 here's what I really want to grab about that in, in the idea of intensifying. Mm-hmm. It's really it's not addition and it's not even multiplication. It's exponents. Mm-hmm. It's rejoice to the rejoice power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? With I'm rejoicing. And when you rejoice with me, mm-hmm. then we've exponentially amplified our rejoicing. And then when you rejoice and I rejoice with you, then now we've exponentially amplified Again, so it's rejoice to the fourth power, so to speak. Mm. It's the the idea is blowing up mm. this rejoicing, mm. even even if, and he's talking about dying. When he say pour it out, yeah. on, even if I'm dying mm. right through here, I'm good. I, in fact, I'm not just okay <laughs> with it. I really want to go be with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and so what I want you to do is I want you to blow up with rejoicing. Mm. And then I want you to rejoice. And then when you start rejoicing, it's going to make my it's rejoice. It's going to, we're going to have this old hullapalooza of rejoicing. Mm. Even if I don't get to see you in person again, but if I'm promoted to heaven, then this is, we're going to have the, that's going to be the biggest mm. rejoicing. You, you follow? And that's people, the idea. People don't realize that they've seen this before. Uh, even with Jesus, mm-hmm. when Jesus says, verily, verily, <laughs> right. or surely, surely, I yeah, say to you, exactly, he's not just repeating himself. No, it, he's saying, I want this to be an intensified statement mm-hmm. for you to understand the importance yep. of what I'm about to say. Yeah, it's supposed to say, listen to me. Listen up now as he's repeating. We that. still do this, John. Oh, he got money, money. <laughs> <laughs> we still do it. We still facts, repeat. Facts. We repeat it for the sake of, you know. So why are we surprised that it happens it, in the Bible? Listen, they, <laughs> these folk look like you. They talk like you. They act like you. That you understand what I'm saying? This is you in this. T- it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. Oh, you can cook, cook. That's mm-hmm. the you know what I'm saying? It's the same. Oh, we gonna rejoice, rejoice. That's the. <laughs> That's it. That's the same. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. So he he turns now and also addresses it in in imperative form. He does that in chapter three and Mm -hmm. chapter four. And the reason why you the reason you can or the way you can see how Paul shifts is in the opening verse of chapter number three. Mm -hmm. He says, finally, Mm -hmm. now I'm about to tell y'all what to do. Yeah. (laughs) Like now I'm moving into the practical pieces of what I've been telling you all about. Mm -hmm. So now he says, finally, verse number one, my brothers rejoice in the Lord. Yep. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and it's safe for you. 
And he does the same thing in chapter number four, uh, verse number four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Mm -hmm. And then he says again, and again, I say, I will say rejoice. This is a command. He's commanding them again. Hey, listen, just in case y'all didn't get it before, right. I need you to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I'm going mm -hmm. to say it, mm -hmm. rejoice. So if Philippians is about anything. <laughs> if, if there's any point to the to the to if the Paul text. has tipped his hand in any way, <laughs> right. it's going to be him telling you to rejoice here in mm -hmm. this text, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. he also does it throughout his epistles. He uses the word rejoice 29 times uh, throughout all of his writings, by far more than any other New Testament uh, writer. So Paul is the apostle of joy, which mm -hmm. <laughs> to your point from last episode, he, he was like this strict legalist. Mm-hmm. And something happened. Something the happened. gospel transformed his heart in a yeah. way that allowed him to see joy uh, in the midst of adverse circumstances and situations. It, it really is an interesting character story it, in the it, life of Paul. It is, a, it is an incredible shift that takes place in his heart and then in his life and behavior. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that that's reflected in his writings. I, I think it's, John, I think it's important to note Again, we talked about joy being the a characteristic of the kingdom, according to Romans 14. If you were with us last time, um, Romans 14 talks about how the kingdom is um, is joy in the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. um, that that is a common kingdom characteristic, but it is so interesting that he uses the word joy five times in Philippians, but rejoice nine. Then he uses joy 21 times throughout his writing, but rejoice 29. Mm. The idea or joy noun, important. Joy verb, mm. more frequent, could be understand as perhaps more important. Mm. To rejoice, to express that joy, mm. to live that joy out, yeah. we could consider that to be more emphasized because of how much more it is stated, mm. um, especially given that it is written frequently in the imperative mm. that this is something you are to be doing. Your life should be rejoicing. <laughs> you mm. should be you should be doing this. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I wonder um, if. If we are trying to find joy or or make joy or manufacture joy, when if we would yield to that spirit of God, to the spirit of Christ in us, mm -hmm. and begin to express mm -hmm. joy, if rejoicing is not the key to experiencing wow. joy, yeah. as it were, science so, yeah. says. So, so many of the Eastern religions always talk about finding inner peace, inner joy. And the interesting thing about what you said, as I was thinking about that, is that our joy isn't meant only to be inner. As a matter of fact, the greatest expression of our joy is external. Yeah. So that the people around us can see the joy that we're experiencing and then understanding the source of the joy um, that we are experiencing. So it's just, really interesting to me that we internalize this idea and concept of joy mm -hmm. and the biblical writers are like 
No, we're we're called to rejoice. We're we're called to express that joy, even in the community sense. The science says if you smile, you begin to release. You don't have to feel like it, but to smile is to release the endorphins and such in the brain that creates positive feelings and and things of that nature. Um, to 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 speak positive words. I mean, that you can you can trick your brain into feeling better mm. through these techniques. And it seems as if they're just catching up to what mm. Scripture is saying. If you do this, mm. then you'll experience this, so to speak, as it were. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think we need to spend more time being intentional mm. about rejoicing. That, that's the imperative. Is it not? Rejoice mm. always. Mm. And again, I say, mm. rehearse rejoicing. Keep doing this. And when you get done doing it, then keep doing it some more. Mm. And something positive happens at the back end of that act of obedience that is both personally beneficial but ultimately communally beneficial. That's what he says. We exponentially increase mm. when we, we rejoice together. And this is why we want to look at Romans 12. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And what Paul says in Romans 12, because yeah. as he opens that passage and talks about uh, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, then he goes on to express, hey, here's what that, here's what what that actually looks like. Here's what it means. Uh, in, in community, right? So uh, Romans number chapter 12, verse 14 says, uh, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep yeah. with those who weep. So again, this this goes back to that rejoicing, not being something that is personal. You know, we have this Western context of Man. our personal relationship with Jesus, my personal Lord and personal Savior. And Paul is saying, "Man, rejoicing isn't something to be kept to yourself, hoarded to yeah. yourself. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it is to be shared with other people. Mm-hmm. And you need to rejoice with people who rejoice. And that's a community activity that needs to be practiced." In the community of faith, yeah, consistently, yes, yeah. The the believing community, we ought to have joy meetings, mm. and then there are appropriate times, obviously, where grieving is in order and and loss requires us to respond. But again, communally, mm. but but rejoicing should be a communal practice. If mm. if there's nothing else that people say about us when we get together they ought to be like you know them folks are always <laughs> they always joyful they always rejoicing around there mm. um and and it becomes contagious it it really is a, a contagious um mm. a contagious experience mm. Mm. i want you all to write this down because it really is a simple verse and uh, paul again gives you another imperative in first thessalonians chapter 5 verse mm-hmm. 16 he says Rejoice always. Yep. That's that's clear enough and simple enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. As he presents this final imperative in First Thessalonians um, chapter number five, he says, hey, re- I need you to rejoice. Yeah. Always. Always. And he goes on to say, pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's given these instructions. But there's something about Paul that he's saying, if I need to get something to um, one message to these folks. Especially people who are being persecuted. Oh, man. People who are under the heavy hand of a Roman emperor. 
Yeah. Uh, they have to be able to experience joy in the midst of what they are going through. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, if that isn't as applicable to us today, I mean, we've been two years plus in the midst of what seems like Groundhog Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and right. if right. any people need to demonstrate the joy through rejoicing in these circumstances, as Paul says, rejoicing always, mm-hmm. it needs to be the people of God. Yeah. Our greatest evangelistic tool is our joy in the Lord. Yes, sir. Whew. Greatest evangelistic tool. Being able to, you don't have to know the five five points of Calvinism. You don't have to <laughs> right. explain things to people. Right. If people see your joy yeah. on display yeah. in this world, yeah. you know what they're going to say? I want that. And 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 want to be clear, we're not talking about that false positivity, that mm-hmm. toxic positivity mm-hmm. that acts as if things don't affect you and things don't hurt you. And mm-hmm. things we're not talking about that at all. That's not what we're talking about in any way. We're not saying pretend like everything is OK mm-hmm. and and pretend like you're not broke or not sick or anything like that, like you don't have relational trauma, things of that nature. That's not at all. We're, talk- we're talking about something higher than that mm. speak uh, admitting those things not acknowledging those things y'all hear me say all the time denial is not deliverance acknowledge them but don't let that be the sum total mm. of your life's expression which is just acknowledging your pain there's something available above that mm. that i can feel pain but also rejoice with mm. it mm. and in it and in spite of it mm. um that is not outcome based. That's good. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not based on things changing. Mm-hmm. It's based on the fact that I have been changed, that I can operate at this level of higher mm-hmm. existence, as it were, or, or or a higher, you know, to borrow <laughs> language from a higher consciousness. I have a higher <laughs> consciousness. I'm living aware. Mm-hmm. Of something higher than just what's happening here. Mm-hmm. So the news and Twitter and and all of these things that have happened don't have the final say on the totality of how I mm-hmm. how I express my life and, and what my mood is. Mm-hmm. I have a higher existence. I know that there's something happening in the spirit world, that God is at work, that God is redeeming humankind, that the Holy Spirit is active in the world today, and, and I am a part of that. Yeah. And that's what I rejoice about. That's what that's why I can still worship God and honor God and, and be kind mm-hmm. and, and be generous and, and, and come to church and shout. I can do all that stuff <laughs> because I'm operating on this higher level of, of, of mm-hmm. understanding of what's happening mm-hmm. in the world. I know God is at work, yeah. you know, despite what I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's look at some New Testament pieces before we turn back to the, um, I mean, Old Testament pieces before we turn back to the New Testament and look at, well, I'm going to have them write down Hannah's prayer, and mm-hmm. then we're going to look at Psalm and Jonah. Okay. We're going to look at those. That sounds good. So uh, write down 1 Samuel 2, 1, but just some for some context. Hannah is praying a prayer uh, after Samuel's dedication. Uh, she rejoices mm-hmm. in God's salvation in that prayer or song of Hannah. Mm-hmm. There's a rejoicing that happens that, that Samuel, young Samuel, has been dedicated at the temple. So... There we see contextually and conceptually 
that rejoicing happens as kind of this spontaneous expression of joy. Mm-hmm. Like, look at what God has done for, yeah. for me and for Sammy. I got a sermon on Hannah's song. It's old. It's an old poem, a classic called When Struggle Writes Your Song. Mm. And, the, and the experience of struggle is what gives her that this burst, like pow, of, jo- of, of, of joy that causes this rejoicing experience. That's good. That's good. Let's look at Psalm 35. Oh, yeah. So there are a couple of different expressions this of joy. Great, this is a great psalm. In, uh, in the Old Testament, it is. This is a great psalm. Psalm 35 is just an incredible psalm in its totality. Yeah, that's right. So this is a psalm of David. Uh, and what we're going to find is that there's a rejoicing that happens in the bad sense mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. And then there's a rejoicing that happens in the good sense. What we find here in Psalm 35 is one where the psalmist is expressing that rejoicing is happening in a bad way. Mm-hmm. He says uh, in verse number 19, let not those who rejoice over me, who are wrongfully my foes, and let, n- let not those who wink the eye, who hate me without cause. So, so he's talking about folks who are rejoicing over his misfortunes or things that are happening in his life, he says, Lord, I need you not to let them rejoice over that. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's lamenting this imprecatory type of, he wants to make sure that the Lord knows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't, don't, don't let them, this is the, this is, the, and, and I just want to read a little further because I love this. Mm. Um, verse 26, for they do not speak peace, um, but against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. They open wide their mouths against me. They say, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. Mm-hmm. And then verse 22, you have seen, O Lord, be not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. Mm-hmm. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. It's the idea of instead of letting them rejoice, yeah. we're going to stay silent. Mm-hmm. And God, will you please handle this for us? Handle it, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. This, y'all don't know how many times I've had to pray, Lord, please, Ooh. please get them. <laughs> please. That impregnatory prayer uh, mm. is, is not always the most spiritual, spiritual, uh, spiritually mature, perhaps, but it depends on what you're action, asking God to do. <laughs> but it is honest, it and is God can handle honest. it. And, and that aha, aha, that onomatopoeia, it's the, mm. it's the sound of laughter. Um, and he's saying, God, their rejoicing is deriding laughter mm-hmm. at me. Don't let them be able to point their finger and sn- snicker and, and giggle mm-hmm. on my account. Mm-hmm. You know, take mm-hmm. that. Take that. That's the idea. But the idea of rejoicing is the same. It's the same kind of act of of expressing positive emotion mm-hmm. or, or or happy emotion, so to speak, in this text negatively speaking right someone else's downfall yeah so let's look at a positive instance and this is interesting because it's happening in the life of jonah oh jonah. and this is this is after jonah gets mad with the lord oh, because yeah. because the lord was compassionate and merciful with the folks in the city of nineveh he's like hey lord why you why you do that it's <laughs> listen I, I remember doing a, a lecture series one time john where i used jonah um to talk about how God can save oppressors too. Mm. And man, I was among 
our cousins and them, Ooh. and they were not happy with me. But that's the point of the book that, of Jonah. That is the point. <laughs> the point is God can choose mm. who to give mercy to mm. for God's larger redemptive purpose. And the reason God gave the Ninevites mercy at this time was because there was going to be a time when God would use them later on. And then um, uh, Obadiah and, and Nahum and others are going to say, well, God is going to ultimately get them anyway, but he gives them a little space and grace mm. for his own redemptive purpose. But mm. but just for y'all who want everybody to go to hell other than you and your full <laughs> friends, God can give mercy to people who have hurt you or who mm. you think actually deserve brimstone and hellfire and, and weeping mm-hmm. and gnashing of teeth. And then God turns around and teaches him one last lesson <laughs> in the end of the book Yeah, that is interesting because we see Jonah rejoicing, but he's not understanding that he's about to get all of God's mm-hmm. <laughs> chastisement yeah. in, in that. So uh, verse number six in chapter number four, now the Lord appointed a plant and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad, the same word for rejoice there, Mm -hmm. because of the plant. Um, But then we find out that God has a worm attack the plant, Mm -hmm. the the plant withers up, and God ultimately teaches him a lesson Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he was like, why'd you do that to the plant? Well, you, you just... Asked me to do the same thing to Nineveh. Right, now, you exactly. weren't mad about you them. Right, you right. mad about this plant, but you're not mad about Nineveh. Yeah. So he teaches him a lesson. So his joy there, the rejoicing there, was for the shade that he had. Yeah. And then God turns around and said, I provided a shade and a covering for these people yeah. in Nineveh. And I don't see your joy over that. Yeah. Yeah. Selfish. Selfish mm. again. Much like the incomplete joy of of, mm. of last week. A selfish, I can only rejoice when it benefits me kind of idea and mm. that's mm. not real complete mature rejoicing mm. yeah all right i want to look at a couple of new testament passages to help bring this home um all right i'm gonna make you this is gonna be a choose your own adventure <laughs> do, we, do we do all three i used to love those books <laughs> <laughs> do we do all three or do we do a couple of these uh we got uh the angel in luke one mm-hmm. we got the parable of the lost sheep yeah which is uh, a good one and then we got well we got to do the last one so yeah yeah yeah, yeah i want yeah. you to choose one of these other two all of them <laughs> let's do all of them okay y'all ain't got nowhere to go <laughs> all you, right you so at, you at home anyway let's start or you want a treadmill or something <laughs> you be all right he's the person that that turns the page in the book and choose your own adventure and then goes go back. back yes <laughs> yes <laughs> tries another i one. surely did that's exactly <laughs> what i did <laughs> we're in luke one we're in luke one luke one um Okay, so this is the angel's visit to uh, Mary. And uh, it's one of my favorite passages here early in Luke because uh, when I started studying this and reading this, I think I preached this last year. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when I started studying this and reading this, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a word study here. And the word study yielded the word rejoice. Mm -hmm. And it's not even here. Mm -hmm. It's not even here in the text. So... Let's look at uh, chapter number one and then verse number 28. This is the angel coming to Mary. And it says, he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, mm-hmm. the Lord is with you. Now, I'm going to stop there because that word greetings 
is actually the word Cairo, the same word for rejoice, mm-hmm. Cairo. So if we translate that and say rejoice, O favorite one, and then O favorite one is actually one of the family members. Yeah. It's a word Cairo. So he's saying Cairo, Cairo. <laughs> Emphasis here. He's mm-hmm. saying, I need you to rejoice for this news I'm about to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, Rejoice, joyed one, mm. or joyed person. Yeah, yeah. Person who is given, or who has, or who's characterized by joy. Mm. Mm. He's saying rejoice, and here's why you need to rejoice. You' about to be with child, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, "Wait, how am I going to explain how? all of this how? to all my people? How?" As a young girl in this culture, I'm engaged. Engaged. I've been a, a dowry price has been yep. negotiated and settled. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joseph has the right. We're not talking about embarrassment. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about shame. We're not talking about a breakup. We're talking about I can get killed. Yes, you can be murdered for. For this. this, yeah, and they have legal cover. Mm. They have legal cover to, and not again, not a nice, cute death. Not, not. This is stoning. This is a. This is can. This can be a long process. Mm-hmm. They throw rocks till till you die. Yep. Thirteen, fourteen year old girl. What joyed one? <laughs> Joy, <laughs> rejoiced. Why are you asking what me are you to talking rejoice? about, Slim? What are you talking about, dude? Because this serious? is going to cause all types of trouble in my life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you start with joy and rejoicing, right? But if the if the gospel is about anything, it means that you're going to f- be able to rejoice even in circumstances that aren't in ideal. Every rejoice the exhortation of Philippians 4 always and again I say rejoice rejoice yeah there is never a and there is never a circumstance so bad hmm. that you should not rejoice in it or in spite of it hmm. that's good yeah let's look at this parable in Luke in Luke uh, Luke chapter 15 by, by the way spoiler alert it works out pretty good <laughs> For Mary, oh, she gets, she gets this social burden, <laughs> but she also bears a savior who is God incarnate. She's made, um, she's made pregnant by the Holy Spirit, made an incubator of the of God's own Son, mm. and that is the perfect God Man who lives sinlessly, mm. the life we couldn't live, and then dies uh, vicariously the death we should have died. Who was buried and then is raised on Sunday. It 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 turns out pretty good. Uh, absolutely for, for mother mary absolutely <laughs> and and joseph goes ahead and marries her mm. and, and they have other children and they still have they have other children like jude and like james and mm. and some sisters and things like that so yeah mm. it turns out Pretty it's, good. it's it's okay it's Pretty okay good. yeah <laughs> so let's look at luke 15 and uh we we've already done parables so as we're reading this you can start to probably hear some stuff that might come up so uh, jesus has an audience with uh, tax collectors and um, sinners that are drawing near to him, and the Pharisees they get upset. Hey, 
They say, hey, this man's receiving sinners and people, and he eats with them too. And he eats Which with is them. a social faux pas. And it, it, a social faux pas that they try to make a spiritual mm. line in the sand mm. like we do today. Mm. Like we try to take something that's social that we don't prefer mm. and try to make it, God, this is a sin against God. No, it ain't. It, it ain't a sin to eat with folk. It's that's not, not a sin. <laughs> Stop. Absolutely Stop. not. Stop. So, so that's what they're trying to do with Jesus. Oh, you must be like them because yep. you can eat with them. And Jesus does what he does best. He tells them a parable. Yeah. So he told him a parable, verse number three. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Mm-hmm. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Soon, Cairo, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be, be more joy in heaven mm-hmm. over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Man, this is a whole session. We're not, we're not going, we're not going <laughs> to preach this text. John. We're not. We're we not cannot. This text. We got to be, re, we got to have some restraint. We're talking about joy and rejoicing. Joy and rejoicing. Yeah. What, what Jesus is illustrating in the parable, the point of the parable is to the, he's got two audiences. He's got the sinners listening to him. Mm that the Pharisees are saying are so terrible, then he's got the Pharisees listening. To the sinners, he's saying, God wants you. First of all, all of these parables, which lost sheep, the next one lost coin, and the prodigal sons, two lost sons, are saying the, that God wants you. That's it. That's, that's, it. that's the whole thing. God wants you. As bad as people say you are, God mm-hmm. wants you. Mm-hmm. You're not too far. You're not too sinful and dirty and, and, and horrible. Mm. Um, for God to, there's no too far for God mm. with you. Then, um, to the Pharisee side, he's saying God wants them, mm. and what you're supposed to do if you're close to Him is be is rejoice about what He rejoices about. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's the the idea of the invitation for the neighbors mm. in in the lost sheep, then the lost coin, and then the invitation to the older brother in the lost sons mm. is if you're as close to God as you claim to be, it shouldn't bother you that God is rescuing sinners. That should make, that should give you, you mm. should be rejoicing about that too. Mm. Mm. That's the, that's the, that's the idea. That's it. Um, so it's an invitation on one hand and a condemnation or confrontation on another hand yeah. uh, to say that that's what this rejoicing is about. Mm. That God is rejoicing you should be, and the fact that you're not ought to tell you how far away from God you are. Yeah, you know? and the text uses all three of the terms that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. He, he says rejoice, that's mm-hmm. on Cairo. He says rejoice with mm-hmm. me. He invites the friends to rejoice, rejoice with, me, with him. And then he says there's joy mm-hmm. in heaven yeah. for the angels for yeah. one for one who repents. Yeah. So we see this overwhelming sense of joy of, Someone entering God's kingdom. Yeah, the kingdom is joy in Holy Ghost. I don't, John. I, I we it's late. We gotta go. But however, and yet, why doesn't he walk the sheep back to the flock? Man, I knew you were gonna do this. I couldn't. Why I you do this it. to me? I can't help why? it. I can't help it. I can't help it. All right. Some some say him. some say that he breaks the sheep's legs so he doesn't wander again. But mm. no, that's not the case. It is not. 
disciplined. He's not breaking the sheep's legs nope. because that's crazy. Mm-hmm. They, you, if you got a flock, you don't break a sheep's legs don't. intentionally when you have to move them from pasture to pasture and carry them that whole time. It's simply to expedite the sheep's return. You get you back. He's back. so excited. I got to get him home. That Ooh. I'm going to carry you back. John, this is the cross. We could not whittle our little sheeply legs back to God. The stubby legs. So Jesus carries us. Man. When he carries the cross, he's carrying your lost sheep self mm. on his shoulders to expedite and ensure mm. your arrival back to the flock. For the whole world to see. Because the sheep, the coin, and the sons always belonged. They always did. They never were not the property of. Just because they were lost doesn't mean that they mm. were not the property of mm. the one that they had been lost from. I don't. Get, Let me tell you. Okay. Well, I, I'm not going to do anything with that one because we got to finish this one with John 19. I'm just going to be quiet for the rest of the no, time. No, 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 because this one right here. I'm getting happy. <laughs> This and one, John 19 is going to make me happier. We're about to make us even happier because this the one. This this the one. So uh, John 19, we're in the uh, final moments of Jesus' life. And what we see here in this text is that Pilate now sends Jesus to be flogged. And there's a crown of thorns that is placed on his head mockingly. Mm-hmm. To mock him that burrows into his skull and his brain. I want to also say that Pilate having Jesus whipped was an attempt to save his life. Mm. Yep. He whipped him. Hoping that that would be enough for these Jewish leaders who had asked him to kill him. Mm. He said, all right, let's let me see if I can find some middle ground. Not knowing. That he was fulfilling prophetic (laughs) specific descriptions Hmm. of Isaiah 53 that he would be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Wow. He he had no idea that the, and then the soldiers who are mocking and putting the thorns on him have no idea that they are no clue fulfilling prophecy. No clue. I I, I said I wasn't going to say no more. And here's what they also don't have a clue of in verse number three. I'm going to read all of them mm-hmm. so I can make sure that we have the context for it. So then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, hail mm. king of the Jews and struck him with their hands. Now, Pastor John, I thought we were talking about rejoicing. Well, the word rejoice appears here in verse three. That's the word. When they say hail, king of the Jews, they are saying rejoice, Mm -hmm. king of the Jews. They didn't understand the power Mm -mm. of the words that they said mockingly, Mm -hmm. which declares the truth about our Savior. Mm -hmm. That the king of the, the Jews is to bring us into rejoicing. Yeah. That from the soldiers mouths these gentile soldiers mouths yeah. this word rejoice goes throughout all of history it, it was the it was the language of mm. the triumphal entry yes sir of 
of of Roman Caesars or generals mm. when they came back or when they came to liberate towns or came back from war, something of that nature, they would they would cry out hail. We translate it hail. Mm. They would cry H A I L. They would really be telling the people, Rejoice, the king is here. Mm. That's really what it is. Mm. Rejoice, the king has arrived to either set us free or he has set us free. Yeah. <laughs> and then mm. not knowing not knowing or sometimes if the king were just to visit a town rejoice because the king under whose rulership we are all prospering supposedly or mm. or our lives are so great because this guy's the king mm. that was the greeting you gave the king that we should be happy that the king even showed up at all wow. they don't know that's the language mm. <laughs> that they're saying about the one of whom that is eternally true mm. And, and he doesn't arrive for him to sit on the throne, Mm-mm. but to hang on the cross. Yes. He arrives for him to hang on the cross, to demonstrate to Paul and to others, as Paul writes in Philippians, that I am the source of your joy and I'm doing it through this sacrifice. Yeah. And my expectation of you as believers is to endure your own persecution, to endure your own crosses yeah. so that you have in me an example as someone who's been poured out for you yeah. so that you can pour out to others and, I, and be able to rejoice in that. I hear the hymn, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count as lost and pour contempt on all my pride. And there's a verse that says, uh, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? Mm-hmm. Why are we rejoicing? Because the sorrow of Christ is an expression of the love of Christ. And before he shed his blood, he shed his tears. And in so doing, this incredible, unfathomable love <laughs> is expressed so that when the king shows up, I should say hail. I should be rejoicing <laughs> that he is, the king has come and the king is coming. And and when I read it in Philippians, and Paul is not pulling that command out of thin air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got in mind the full completed work of Christ and the promise of Christ to come. Mm. Um, he sees the cross in his rearview mirror, and then he sees the return through the windshield. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's how, if I live my life that way, mm. whatever obstacles are in the road, I can rejoice in spite of them. And that's how a word study can bless uh, your life. <laughs> if it was Sunday, Doc, this would be one of them turn the corners today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Growth Factor Podcast. We're grateful for you all joining us. We need y'all to do us a favor. Make sure you go over to the Growth Factor group over on Facebook. We are over 900 strong now, and we are just churning out content to help you to continue to grow and grow deeper into your study of God's word. We want to make sure that you continue to subscribe to our podcast and also make sure you invite others to subscribe as well. 
and leave us a rating review. It helps us in the podcast store. We're just grateful that you all continue to join us uh, each week as we continue to unpack God's word with you. We pray that this has been helpful for you. And we're going to dive into something a little bit different next go around, but we do think it's very important and just as important as the other aspects of Bible study. So you don't want to miss that. I'm just going to give you a teaser here so you can come through for the next episode. We're looking forward to you joining us on that episode. Talk soon. This has been The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group, The Growth Factor, for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening.